This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. When Peter, disciple of Jesus and leader of the early church, described followers of Jesus, he likened them to a load of bricks, different shapes and sizes and colours, but all joining together to build a spiritual house, the church. And that's what's so exciting about church. It's a group of people on a mission, all playing their different parts. But often many of us struggle to know what our part is. We don't know where we fit in. We don't know how to connect to others. We struggle to find our place. So this month, we want to give you some tips, ways in which you can find not only connection, but purpose and belonging in your life. We want you to find your place. Good morning. As you've probably gotten on now, my name is Neil. I'm um, on the leadership team at the church here. Martin, our pastor, is um, actually not here this morning. We've given him um, a Sunday off, um, so you've got me. Um, last time I saw that sermon intro, there was a voiceover um, that explained it a bit more um, as, as the person was making his Lego. And it went along the lines of um, everyone's, got, you know, everyone's got their place um, in, in, a, in a Lego model, you know, each, each brick has got its place. Um, I don't think we got the version there without the voiceover, but anyway, that's, that, that was the idea behind that um, short um, video. Um, so this morning we come to the third in our series, um, which is entitled um, Finding Your Place, Discovering Purpose and Belonging in the First, <laughs> Belonging in the Church. Finish your sentence, Neil. Um, if you missed the first two, you can watch them on our YouTube channel. Um, let's just Quick thing, who's ever watched anything from Holy Baptist Church on YouTube? Can you just stick your hand up? Yeah, the vast majority. I had a quick look at the stats yesterday. We have um, 361 subscribers, which means 361 people have said, can you bring it to the top of what appears on YouTube um, on my um, computer? Um, we have 528 videos that the church has made, sermons and blogs and other sorts of stuff. There are 528 things that you can um, catch up on. And um, I'm not sure if this is right, but it, it suggested that um, our YouTube channel has been um, looked at 97,000 times, 97,078 views. Um, if you've never looked at um, our YouTube channel, um, Go and find a young person is probably what I would say. Um, or failing that, go and find someone that has put their hand up because they obviously have found um, what the church has done. And we're going to mention a little bit more about um, YouTube and that stuff um, in, a little while. Um, in a little while. Um, but if you haven't watched the last two, so the last two sermons, yeah, um, but let me give you a quick heads up of what happened in the last two weeks. So um, in the first week, Ian uh, Gray spoke on the subject of connect. 
And, um, and the, the idea is, is that as people within a church, we need to experience relationship with each other as well as with God. I was told a little while ago that the number one reason that people leave churches in the UK is not because they don't like the music. It's not even that they don't like the theology that's been preached. It's not that they've lost their faith. It's because they don't have good Christian friends at that church. And Ian spoke about the need or the good idea of meeting in house groups or home groups or small groups, call them what you will. And, um, and Ian left out forms that looked a bit like that. Then we sort of asked everyone to fill one out. And there's a box at the back and the forms are there again. And if you would like to join a group or if you've left the group and think you might like to reconnect, then can I encourage you to fill out one of these forms and stick it in the box at the back. It may take us a little bit of time to sort everybody out, but it's definitely the church's intention to find a group for everyone that wants to be involved. So that was two weeks ago, and that was Connect. Last week, Martin spoke about the subject of service. And I've got to say, um, I am hugely um, also excited about this joining Sunday that we're doing next Sunday. So we're going to have a normal service, and then at the end of it, um, we're going to have, what, in my mind, and I'm probably not quite right, but in my mind, it's something that a cross between a job fair and a speed dating evening. And, and, and um, there's going to be these sort of tables around um, that you can see what goes on in the church. And there's a chance to um, have a conversation and without any commitment, um, maybe try and be involved in one of the teams that make this place work. So that's the last two weeks. Um, this week... Um, our subject is invite. And um, I may have used this analogy um, before from the front, but I'll use it again. I want you to imagine that somehow you've come across a money-making machine that sits in the corner of your room. And it just dishes out a £10 note. Let's not be greedy. Every half an hour, it dishes out a £10 note. And it works 24 hours a day seven days a week, 365 days a year, until the rest of your life. It would just sit there. That'd be fairly good, wouldn't it? Have one of those. And stay with me, because I appreciate this story is now getting a little far-fetched. But I want you to imagine that you know where five more machines are. All right? And you're only allowed one yourself. So the question is, would you tell your friends about this machine that you've got sitting in the corner of your lounge? And if so, which five friends would you tell? You can discuss that over Sunday lunch. All right? And now a number of you can see where this might be going. Because if you said yes, as Jesus followers or as Christians, of course, we have something that is far greater than a machine that knocks out a £10 note every half an hour. We have a relationship with the living God. We have heaven. We have eternal life. Use your favorite terminology for describing the hope that we have within us. And as Christians, we would say it's the best thing that has ever happened to us. It's transformed the way we think. It's transformed the way we live. And yet so many of us find it difficult to tell others about Jesus. The four topics of this uh, series are connect, serve, invite, and here's a spoiler for next week, um, which is our harvest service, 
it's give. And I'm guessing that if you looked at that list and you thought, which is the most difficult, a good number of us, and I include myself in this definitely, would think the most difficult of those is invite. I can connect with people, I can do things around the church, I can give my money and my time, but I find it very difficult to invite. Not all of us, some of us, it's just, it's just, it's just a natural ability. We can just go and talk and talk, and it's no difficult at all. So if that is the case, let's just look and go back and let's look at a Bible passage that may give us a bit of a clue about how we can be better at this subject. And, um, and we're going to go back to the book of Acts. Acts is fifth book in the New Testament. If you've got a Bible that looks like that, it's on page 1110. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 5. And we're picking up the story at the first recorded church business meeting. And on the agenda is, who should we let into our church? And a number of people are giving presentations about what they think is the right thing. And specifically, whether Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, um, hold on, yep, um, whether Jewish non-Gentile people should be allowed into the church if they haven't been circumcised. Um, so I'm going to ask Helen, change of voice, to come and read the passage to us. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the, for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Thank you, Helen. So we have this, we've got this church meeting going on and the Pharisees are saying yes to circumcision. Peter and other people and Barnabas and Paul, they put in their two pennies worth. And then James stands up and I've just chopped out a bit of his first bit. But so, and I've just left eight words and Sue, if you could put them up. He ends up by saying, we should not make it difficult for them. And the them is, is, the, um, is the people that want to follow Jesus. We should not make it difficult for them. And that's a motto that at HBC we've been trying to take to heart over the last two or three years. Let me give you some examples. Um, we serve tea and coffee before the service. Now, lots of us just like drinking tea and coffee. But I don't know if you've ever been to, I don't know, a training event at work, or maybe you're the plus one at a wedding, 
um, or you go to a party where you know hardly anybody, and you walk into that wedding or that training event at work, um, and somebody gives you well, it'd be coffee at the training event and probably prosecco at the wedding, I guess. Um, and you take that glass and you you hold on to it, and it's something for you to hold on and something for you to do. I hope you get the impression of what I'm saying. So yes, um, everybody at wedding gets Prosecco and everybody at the training event um, gets coffee. But the people that really um, appreciate getting that drink are the people that know nobody else and are hanging on and waiting for the event to start. It's why we explain in sermons who Paul or Peter is. Yes, we know that over 90% of the people in the congregation know who Paul and Peter is. But we often give an explanation to make it easier for those who don't. Similarly, it's why we occasionally explain where the toilets are. If you've been coming here since the building was opened about eight years ago, I guess you now know where the toilets are. But for someone who is new, it makes it easier for them. It's partly why we do screen two. Yes, it works well as an overflow room when we're really busy here, but it's also a place where someone who doesn't really know church or know anything about church can just sit and watch. They don't have to stand up and sit down at the right places. That's why we do carols in the car park. It's fun, it's free, keep the analogy going, the alliteration going. It's a fantastic event that is hopefully easy to bring friends to. That's why we translate our words and questions after the sermon into Farsi. There are a number of things that as a church we've tried to do over the last year that has made it not difficult for others to come. It's an item that's often on the leadership agenda, and I imagine it will stay there for some time. Indeed, I wonder if we missed a trick when we organised all the summer socials. We learned about BSL, we walked, we golfed, we picnicked, we played games, we had a cream tea. And I wonder if we should have been more deliberate from the front in asking you to invite your friends and family. So that's what we're trying to do as a church, to not make it difficult for people to find Jesus. The question is, of course, what are we? I definitely say we here and not you, because I am terrible. What are we doing as individuals to make it easy for people to come and follow Jesus or possibly just invite them to a church event? And I guess it's worth pointing out at this point, it is not our job to make people Christians. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But in chapter one of the book of Acts, we're reminded that if you are a Jesus follower, you are my witness. It's whether you like it or not. And I would guess it'd be lovely if we, now we've got the internet and now um, we think there's no need for us to actually get involved ourselves. After all, we have 360 subscribers. We have 500 pieces of content. Apparently, we have 97,000 people that have, well, maybe one person 97,000 times, but there have been 97,000 views of our material. Can't we just leave it to the internet to take care of this? And the answer, of course, is no. And until AI has completely taken over the world, I believe there is no substitution for the human touch when it comes to introducing Jesus. So what are we to do? Well, if you look up that dreaded E word, evangelism, and you look on the internet, you would not believe the number of ways, methods, approaches, strategies there are to evangelism. It's like people know that some of us find it really difficult. 
In a quick Google search, you will find the 10 proven strategies for effective evangelism, the six effective approaches to evangelism, the four most successful methods of evangelism, a review of the seven common evangelism methods, five essential qualities of evangelism, and my favorite, 10 ways to evangelize, it's easier than you think. Um, and I say that a bit tongue in cheek, but actually there's some really good material there. And what I liked is um, a way that described um, six types of evangelism, and I've converted it to five, because I think two of them go together. And I'm just going to quickly run through them. And the suggestion is that one of these may appeal to you. Firstly, there is the direct approach. This is Peter at Pentecost. There's a huge crowd there, and he just tells them as it is. Maybe Billy Graham style, if you're old enough to remember Billy Graham. Um, so that's one method and probably not many of us are going to rush to that, but it might be you, in which case, crack on. Number two is the intellectual approach. And um, Paul, we read in Acts chapter 17, Paul reasoned with philosophers and deep thinkers. And there are people that like that intellectual approach. They're not just happy to accept it because you tell them. They want to think about it and, 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 and have a reasoned argument. And maybe that's you, that you can reason with people. The third way is the testimonial approach. That's where you tell your story. And, you're in, and in your life, you are able to say what God has done in your life when chatting to friends, neighbors, and colleagues. And I guess the best example of this is the, the blind man who Jesus healed. And he just went around saying, I don't know. What I do know was I was blind, and now I can see. Maybe... The best method of evangelism for you is via service. Example of the Good Samaritan. That you go out your way so much and do so much for friends and other people, they say, what is it about you? And they know of your faith and it turns them towards knowing Jesus. And then there's the fifth way, and the way that I want to spend a couple of moments on, is this relational and invitational. In John chapter 1 and verse um, 41 and 42, Andrew is one of the first two disciples that Jesus calls. And Andrew, I'll read it, Andrew, Simon Peter's brothers, was one of the two who heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Makes it sound really simple, doesn't it? Um, um, and sometimes um, it is, and sometimes it isn't. But that is an approach that I think all the websites tend to suggest is the most effective form of introducing people to Jesus. You have a friendship, and over time, there's maybe a conversation. Why don't you think about yourself? And I want to ask you, how did you get to church? Not did you walk, cycle, or come by car, but your first time you went to church, why did you go, or who got you there? And it may be that you heard something on the radio, or you read something on social media, um, maybe um, God spoke to you directly, um, or maybe it's a friend, or a parent, um, or a university friend, school friend, who invited you to come. And a, a lot of us, it will be that last. Someone invited us to come. And if that person had never invited us, where would we be now? 
So if we go back to our passage in Acts, how can we not make it difficult for others to come and know Jesus? We've talked about what the church is trying to do, but what about us? I want to finish, um, I want to leave you with three suggestions. Um, they're not you must do, but here's three suggestions from Neil. Number one, have non-Christian friends and invest in them. Too many of us at church, I believe, and I'm probably speaking about myself, most of our friends are here or are in church. And it's difficult to bring people to know Jesus if we don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And maybe if we have non-Christian friends, we need to spend time with them and invest in them. And I need to say now, so don't get, mishear me, we don't need to make friends just so we can bring them. They're not a, they're not a project. We make friends because they're friends and for their friendship. That is why we have friends. We don't just dump them once we've invited them to church, they didn't come, I'll find another project. But if you do have Christian friends, can I suggest you invest in those friendships? I, um, I always remember the time when, I think I might, might mention this before, um, Angie and I got invited to another couple for a meal, which was lovely, and, um, and we had a meal. Then afterwards, um, the chap said, Neil, would you like to come and see my fossil collection? I went, oh, yes. And Angie sat with the wife and drank coffee. Over an hour later, sitting in, in his cold garage, learning the difference between the Triassic period and the Jurassic period, um, I, finally, I finally came back into the warm. Why did I go and spend an hour with him, or more than an hour with him, looking at his fossils? Because he was my friend. Because he was my friend. And I wonder if you've ever done something for somebody that you didn't really want to do, but you did it because they were your friend. Um, maybe it's an early lift down to Gatwick Airport to drop them off before they go to the holiday. Maybe it's helped them move some furniture that you'd rather not have got involved in, but they're your friend. You see, good friendship takes time and effort. It takes give and take. But I also suggest it gives us the opportunity to share what we believe without fear of damaging the relationship. So number one, I would suggest we need to have non-Christian friends, and we need, to in, um, we need to invest in them. My suggestion number two is that sometimes we just need to be brave and invite someone to maybe a church event. Maybe it's carols in the car park. Um, for those that have been here a little while, every Christmas we do stuff out in the car park, um, and it's really good fun. And we would love it if we asked you, can you make candy floss this year? You said, no, I'm really sorry I can't because I'm bringing someone. We would love that. Even better, why don't you come to us and say, I'd like to make the candy floss with my friend who I am bringing. Even better. We get the candy floss made and you bring your friend. Find something that is perhaps not the most difficult thing to do. Come to the carol service. We do coffee mornings. We do lunches. We do home groups. Think of your friend and maybe invite them. And you may just be surprised that they say, yeah, I'll come along not because they're desperately interested in church, but because they're your friend. And my third suggestion is that if we do so, we make it easy for them to say yes. We don't make it difficult for them. We take them. We tell them what to expect. Um, maybe we start easy and come to something that um, they can sit out in the screen too if they're uncomfortable out sitting in a main church. Um, you know your friends better than I do. You know what may work and what may not. 
And it goes without saying, and this isn't a suggestion, this is um, what we definitely should do, and that's pray for our non-Christian friends. So there's three suggestions how we might invite. And I want to finish with a challenge, which you can accept, or you can say no, Neil. I would like everybody here, including me, to invite one friend or colleague or work colleague or neighbour or non-church-going relation to something at HBC before Christmas. It could be a new coffee morning we're starting. It could be, you say, the lunch we do. It can be carols in the car park. It can be a carol service. It can be a morning service. Whatever you think. If you think of something that they could come to that we don't do, then let us know. Maybe we'll put that thing on so we can invite people. And it's not just getting them into the building. It's getting them to know people like us. And as I finish, it occurs to me that sometimes when you preach a sermon, people remember the story or the analogy you've given rather than the sermon. And for once, I would be very happy with that. Just go back to that money-making machine that sits in the corner of your room, dishing out £10 every half hour. It's about 72000 a year if you want to work out what it comes to. Um, and just think about that and think that we have something that is so much greater. Let's not be selfish about it. Let's be like the woman at the well who, um, who Jesus met, and she went and spoke to all the people in the village, and she just said, come and see. We're going to finish with a few questions for you to think about. Thank you, Sue. What can HBC do to make it easier for newcomers to feel at home? Please speak to someone in the leadership team with your ideas. At HBC, what can I do to help make things even more welcoming for newcomers? Who can I invite to a church event? What is stopping me? was today's episode of holy baptist church podcast we hope it's prompted you to want to follow jesus hopefully a lot but even just a little bit more closely if you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow jesus you can email us gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk we'd love to hear from you it would really make our day if you want to hear more from us just a reminder you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the holy baptist church app from the apple app store or google play to hear it as well simply search holy baptist church Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.